Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, and welcome to you, fellow Guna, who is listening in either through the live stream, thank you very much for joining us on Facebook, or via YouTube. And if you are listening to us when you're out and about running or anything like that, that is a dog that's decided to join us. So welcome dog, whoever that is, that's got a barking Bye. dog, perhaps you can show them at, uh, at some stage during the day. But uh, I'm going to introduce my guests in a second. It's me, Suburban Guna. Nice to see you all. Uh, nice to hear from you. You can put stuff in the comments and uh, talk to us. Talk to us during the game. We're willing to hear that we are talking directly after Arsenal have beaten Leicester by uh, three goals to one at uh, Leicester's ground, the King Power, the Walkers, Filbert Street, whatever they want to call it. Ultimately, we got three points. And it was the first three points that we got uh, at Leicester since 2015, they said in commentary. So it's not been a happy hunting ground, but... Here to uh, to share the delights and bask in the glory of a 3-1 uh, win, I've got Olaf with me. And when we're talking about basking, you're certainly doing that, Olaf. You're outside in the garden today for this pod. Yes, I am. And the dog barking in the background is my little one, so my little uh, Jack Russell. So apologies. He, uh, Whenever there's a noise, he decides it's barking time. Lovely, glorious day in the Southern Hemisphere. So thought I'd uh, bring a bit of warmth other than the three points that we got given a couple of minutes ago. Um, so I thought I'd sit outside today with a bit of sunshine. Lovely job. And uh, as is the custom and tradition of this podcast, uh, what are you drinking, sir? What is your tipple today? Well, because it's such a hot day, um, I, uh, I've stuck with my uh, traditional every time I come on the pod, and we've won, by the way, every time I've been on. Um, so uh, it's, I'm sticking with my uh, Seville uh, Tanqueray and tonic on a lovely, glorious uh, late uh, Sunday afternoon. Very nice, very nice. And I have uh, poured myself a large glass of Cobra, albeit in a San Miguel, um, in a San Miguel pint glass. But let's introduce our other couple of guests and let's talk the game, the 3-1 victory. Let's start with Merv. Merv, how are you doing, mate? You all right? What are you drinking? I'm doing, I'm good. I am drinking a Thornbridge Jaipur. Very nice. Um, and the sun is shining, but it's nowhere near as warm as it is for Ola. I'm sure, I'm sure. The, and finally, we now, I was going to say, the sun is shining on all of us, though, after, yeah. after what we've just watched. But yeah, It certainly is. And we're going to go to that. And I'm going to start off with my, my th third and final guest, uh, Mike. How are you doing? All, all, all the way over there in the States. I'd imagine, given that I think it's morning where you are, your tipple has probably not got a percentage attached to it. No, it doesn't. My son, actually, who was sitting here with me listening, said, Dad, do I need to go get you a drink? So I, I was going to tell you that I'm drinking toothpaste because it's nine o'clock in the morning. <laughs> he went to go get me a, a Sam's Club purified drinking water, which is probably what I need to be drinking at nine o'clock in the morning, right? Yeah, indeed, indeed. Well, so we've um, we've got ourselves a a victory to talk about. And Mike, I'm going to st start off with you, mate, because I want you to give me a little bit as our resident sort of tactician in chief. Give us a bit of a pricey about the the overall of the game as to to what we got right. Because I think we need to start off with the starting lineup. Because I don't I think. I don't know about you, but personally, I looked at that and thought, oh, William, not in form. That's not a good idea. El Nene, backwards passer, not a great idea. He's made quite a lot of changes here against the Leicester team who, you know, have got the drop on us in recent. But um, what did you think of the lineup? And uh, what did Mikel get tactically right from the off today? Yeah, well, the lineup season started liking him, but. I think El Nenny shoots himself in the foot by unnecessarily being the backwards man. He's uh, he's so technically secure. I don't know why somebody so technically technically secure doesn't um, have a little more ambition 
um, because he's very good on the ball and good at passing, but he doesn't. So anyway, so I was nervous. Can't pretend that I wasn't. So, uh, but as far as the tactics are concerned, I think there's a couple of things that stood out to me. Uh, one, offensively, uh, for the most part, we had Cedric going on the outside of Pepe, and of course Tierney goes on the outside too. So to have those guys um, inverted. And, and, you know, people were complaining beforehand, why would, you know, Pepe, who's been good on the left, why is he not on the left? And William is a right winger, so sort of makes no sense. But then if you do have those fullbacks going on the outside, then I suppose the game plan, uh, you know, to give Pepe and William more space is to have the others bombing past them as a sort of release valve. And, uh, and I'm not saying that that's not necessarily how we won the game, but it certainly gave Pepe a little bit more room and, and he didn't have two or three guys smothering him, which is normally Pepe's problem. He, he waits too long, gets smothered. So there were people around him, Erdegaard and Smith Rowe were around him and Cedric was overlapping him. So, you know, he was one of our best players, if not the best. And I think he just had a little bit more time and space. And I think that probably was a catalyst for other good things happening. Um, and then you know, my big takeaway as well was really the defensive Part of it. It's not going to get the headlines, the defensive side. But, you know, I think if Arteta's, maybe Arteta's greatest achievement at Arsenal so far is doing what, you know, Arsene Wenger wasn't able to do at Arsenal for many, many years, was to make us defensively solid, have a great shape, defensive intensity, a seriousness about our whole game. So the fact that Leicester were crap is on Leicester, but it's also in the fact that we won the ball back over and over and over again with good shape and uh, good structure and intensity um, from zero to 90. So that was the main thing for me, even though nobody's going to really probably talk about it. Yeah, I mean, certainly um, from my perspective, your thoughts on the wide position is interesting because I kind of um, echo those actually. Just as a quick shout out, um, if you are listening to us live, um, tell us who your man of the match was. It'd be really interesting. We can get into that debate later on in the podcast. So you can uh, stack, stick that in the in the chat on Facebook or um, if you're listening via Periscope, you can um, also give us uh, some thoughts as well. So uh, Syed, for example, has said that, uh, you know, uh, William's best performance in ages, sorry, Steve, uh, Higginson said William's best performance ages. Adam Stearman, who is uh, he's listening in and uh, walking the dogs. Uh, sun is shining and he's happy. So we've got some happy gooners at the moment. But uh, going back to your original point, Mike, the thing that I thought was really interesting today, and I don't want to turn this into a bit of a, a Bellerin bash. It's generally not, but Bellerin comes inside um, yeah. and takes up spaces that Pepe occupies. Cedric, from the word go, was going on the outside. The amount of times where I saw him overlap instead of underlap uh, Pepe, I think that had a big impact. And then, of course, Tierney is a natural overlapper. That's just what he does. He gets the ball, he, he drives at the line. You know, what's amazing about Tierney is everyone knows, even defenders know, he's going to just go down the outside of me. But he's got that burst of pace that they can't deal with. And that for me, was uh, was an exciting moment. And I think it helped William to create space because William likes to, well, uh, traditionally, we're, we're being told that William likes to get the ball down the line and just put the ball in. But he was able to come inside and certainly his his best performance in a in an Arsenal shirt, wasn't it, Merv? Oh, definitely, definitely. Um, like Mike, like you, when I saw the team, I was, I was concerned. Um, it was... Bringing El Nenny in is interesting. So I was having a chat last night to my oldest friend, who we've been going to Arsenal together since we were about 10. Um, and he was talking about this idea of El Nenny as some kind of almost ball-playing central defender in his latter years kind of thing. Um, and, and having watched it, he, he actually did very well with that. So, I mean, at the time I thought, oh, this is going to put more pressure on Xhaka. It's going to be defensive. We're going to win the ball back, pass it back. Um, I was concerned about Willian that he was just coming on 
uh, off the back of an assist where, you know, as I think a lot of people pointed out on Thursday night, it was an assist, but Tierney still had quite a bit of work to do himself. Um, and yeah, I suppose I was concerned that, 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 that Pepe was on the right and William was on the left. Um, and but, but just generally, it, it's kind of, you know, it's years of, of being negative. You know, you've got to give it time. I wasn't you know, frustrated when we conceded early. Um, I thought, you know, to bring Mari in to play with Louise for the first time was probably going to, you know, against Vardy, was probably going to mean we concede one, possibly two. Um, but, I mean, other than that first five minutes, the defence was was excellent, I thought. Outstanding, yeah. you know, they, they managed to clear areas. Yeah, um, Gavin Fossey on YouTube has said William man of the match for him, but um, Pepe really good as well. Hard to echo, uh, hard to disagree with that. Those two wide players certainly are the ones that yeah. stood out. But Olaf, let's talk about the unfortunateness of that first 10 minutes, because even though we had most of the ball, it was still a bit of stupidity. And I will say my personal opinion, um, both William and Xhaka, at fault at first for messing around um, before you know we actually got to the, the point in which Tillemans was, was bearing down a goal but I don't really know what El Elneny was doing um, and Mari either as they sort of slowly ambled away from Tillemans who just allowed him to get the shot off so what was your take on the goal we conceded Olaf? Um, um, it, I'm going to answer that by almost answering what I saw thought when I saw the team sheet um, was uh, like everybody else a slight nervousness for two reasons. Leicester are a high-pressing, high-energetic team, one. And two, when they attack, they always attack via the flanks and by the overlap um, to get uh, or they go over the top if, if, if there's a high defensive line to get the ball to body. And so I was a bit concerned about our ability to kind of um, manage that. And I think that um, what was proven today was we did the pressing, one. Um, and they didn't. And in fact, there were very few instances in the game where Leicester did any of the energetic pressing. And when they did attack, very seldom did they go via the flanks anyway. So I think that that uh, on the team selection was then exacerbated by the first 10 minutes and the kind of mess up that happened there between um, um, William and Xhaka and then El Neni letting Tillemans just run without actually uh, trying to obstruct or at least tackle him to get some of the other defensive players back. Um, and I thought that that was, uh, and, and so the, the concern that I had that I've just explained uh, was then uh, realized in those first six minutes, because that's where they scored. Um, and I kind of thought, gee, this is going to be either a hell of a long afternoon and a terrible podcast we're going to have over here, um, or something fundamentally had to change. Um, and then I'm glad to say at the end of the day, I think that uh, Leicester didn't step up to the plate at all. They didn't come with their energy and they didn't attack like they usually do. Um, but I think that the first goal, uh, or the goal that we conceded, was absolutely unnecessary on every level. Um, and it, 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 it made me incredibly nervous about what was going to proceed after that. But luckily, I think we settled down. And I think it had a lot to do with the fact that Leicester weren't the traditional high-energy, in-your-face kind of Leicester uh, team. And I think that that built our confidence level. And as the game progressed and we had like 70% possession in the first half, I think that that then made it mm, uh, all the more reason why we were able to play on the front foot as we then ultimately did for the remainder of the 85-odd minutes. Yeah, I thought we were... Do you know what? Before we even scored, I actually thought to myself, we seem to be a little bit quicker. We seem to be passing the ball quicker and the pressing and the intensity was there. Um, Mike, how much do you put down the 
midweek victory for us, obviously last gasp winner, um, and the defeat for Leicester. Do you think that played a role? And what's your kind of general take on the the intensity that we saw from Arsenal? Because I didn't expect that, if I'm completely honest. I thought we'd see a slow and sluggish Arsenal. Yeah, uh, I'd say now that the game's over, it was a factor. Like Olaf said, Leicester played as if they were sad. Uh, you know, or that's, I guess, what he's alluding to, the lack of energy. That's the way that that makes me feel, is that they, those players, as much as we envy their league position, they were probably looking at the Europa League, and rightly so, as a chance to win their, I think it probably would be their first ever European trophy. Someone can correct me on that. But um, So I think those, those players just look bummed. And Arsenal's, you know, of course, if you want to win a game of football and have a, a high spirit in the changing rooms, you want to win it in the last minute because that really, you know, that does it for you. So I'm sure the Arsenal um, people are highly motivated. And I, I suppose it was a factor because of the way it feels now. But, I mean, Leicester could have gone second. So if I was their coach, I'd be most upset at their their lack of interest in, in that game. Because if I was a Leicester fan, that's how I, I saw that. Um, and what was the second part of your question, Chris? So it was more about the, the fatigue side and then the intensity of our press. Like, did that surprise you? Did you think that we were going to be a little bit more sluggish? Because, you know, we travelled four and a half hours to Greece for our home game. And right. here we are. Um, here we are turning up with a high press. I mean, I, I guess the question that I have is whether or not the rotation actually then worked, i.e. you've got fresher players or not. Yeah, yeah, I was surprised. I, I expected sluggish Arsenal. I didn't expect a victory. Um, wasn't really looking forward to getting up at six o'clock in the morning. And and so, uh, and I suppose, you know, you, you have to retrospectively give our Tetra a round of applause because that those five new players have brought that freshness. And so he's been proven to be right. And all of them played well. And some of them played very, very well. So um, there was, you know, again, that's probably on our Tetra. Give him a round of applause for, for the motivation and the, uh, and the energy that, and the decisions that he's made, and well done to the players because that was that was like night and day from Leicester's performance. So I think you're spot on there, Chris, with that question and observation. Yeah, and we had um, a couple of comments on uh, on Facebook. So Jack um, McLeavy has said, you know, he thinks the experienced and fringe players know that they need to step up and play more, and the squad rotation has obviously worked in Arteta's favour today. And um, uh, uh, Clive, um, Clive Chandler on uh, Facebook has said, uh, as, w as William finished uh, sulking now after his comments in the week, I don't know who William is, but I certainly think this new player, William, because it's got to be, it's got to be a completely new player. Um, can't, that's not the player that we've seen all season. So this new signing that we just had, um, you know, hopefully he can uh, he can have an impact for the latter end of the uh, the season. But Merv, let's talk. We'll fast forward yeah. now to the equaliser. Um, yes. So. Uh, it was William to put the ball in. I've had so Mark uh, King of this parish uh, put on Twitter that he thought that uh, I think he said that he thought that the uh, the free kick was okay, but it was actually a little bit behind it. It was more um, David Luiz's to get more credit, if you like. So, what's your take on that first goal um, and how much we needed it? Uh, well, we definitely needed it because at that point we were you know, controlling the ball without kind of having the the, the I suppose mm. the zip. You know, but I make notes during the game. It's, I thought, yeah, doing well, but no cutting edge. Leicester seemed happy to give us the ball. Uh, and the final th third was where we, we weren't necessarily cutting through. But obviously, we then began to, and kind of that's how the game turned. 
Um, and William, yeah, he played a key part. Um, I thought it was, uh, it was unlucky. I mean, going back just before that, or was it just after that? You'll have to, I'm so excited about it. Um, the um, Pepe, the or the, the, the apparent foul uh, on Pepe for a penalty that was then overturned. Um, I don't yeah. know if we're doing that afterwards or doing it now. Um, I think we should. Uh, that was it. Was the we we'd equalised and then it was the penalty. Wasn't it? My mind is yeah. a bit hazy. But what did no, you touch we, on? We we got the second penalty when uh, we'd equalised. No, it was just all I was going to say about that. Indeed, he won uh, with Pepe. It's because the free we got the free kick after after that. I think is it's the kind of thing before VAR. We'd have been at the game. We'd have seen it, and yeah, with it had it. Yeah. If it goes against you, we've got years and years of watching football, knowing it's what happens and it evens itself out. Yeah, the ref couldn't tell. But VAR now obviously makes it a slightly different incident where it, it, the, the slight fractions, and I think that's what we've, we've, we've come down to. Um, mm. We then got the cross in and up to Joe. I, I did uh, mark the tweet that apparently it's the second time that a combination has scored for Arsenal and another Premier League club. The other one was John Hartson to Ian Wright, apparently. Um, but it was like, you know, I saw jokes about straight off the Chelsea training ground and stuff. But no, I think Louise did a lot more. Um, it was it was a decent ball in, but he had to really you know, get in the right place to put the right power on the header to get it away. It's the kind of thing when we sign him, I thought that, that we'd see a lot more of because mm. you know, we're... Well, the thing with these guys is when they play for a different team, you get the impression they score every week or it seems like they're scoring all the time. Um, but it's kind of that's that's almost one of the first times I think he scored a goal like that. And I, I, I did think when we signed him, that's the kind of goal we'd get. And those kind of headers from set set pieces haven't been a particular strength of late. Um, and I think it was great to get a goal like that as well. Yeah, we seem to have a lot on that on that right hand side. We seem to get a lot of free kicks. So uh, Pepe again, absolutely excellent. He had um, the left back. Was it Thomas, the guy's name, the young kid, uh, whoever it was? Yeah. But he had him on toast, I thought. And the amount of times that he slipped past his man, I thought Nicholas Pepe was was excellent today. And then um, Olaf, he was obviously uh, involved in the in the penalty itself. I've got to say this though, I find it absolutely infuriating and maddening that we're once again sort of slightly talking about refereeing because how does Paul Tierney not see that in real time and what I, t I tweeted something which it reminded me of a few years ago Cesc Fabregas we had a free kick against the Tottenham had a free kick against us and we were inside our own box and Cesc Fabregas puts his arm in the air like that hits his arm you know you can't put your arm up like that it's a penalty we end up conceding a penalty to Tottenham in the North London derby so it must have been sort of probably eight nine years ago whatever it was now it's obvious. And what's your kind of take on his miss of it? Um, uh, sorry, Paul Tierney's miss of the VAR, of the uh, decision, then the VAR to give it. And then how how valuable that is to go in at half time, you know, scoring on the brink of half time. It's just a delight, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think that the, the issue, first of all, is and I think that when you tweeted, you also made mention of the fact that uh, Paul Tierney was like eight yards away or something. So how the hell does he miss that from? eight yards away. It's like uh, incomprehensible. Um, and then he still had to go to the VAR and go and check. And he only watched it once and then kind of immediately went and pointed and off we went and with a penalty. Um, the, the timing, I think, was crucial. Um, I think that having started as badly as we did, so down 1-0, 
away from home after six minutes um, and then to end up going in at half time um, at two one up I think that uh, that's a I mean that's quite a that's quite a miraculous and against a team like Leicester it's quite a, a miraculous uh, fantastic awesome way of ending a half uh, actually on the front foot um, and of course you had Thomas then for example on the yellow card and you were substituted at half time so that made it even better for us uh, um, and we didn't really talk about the, the and the other factor I think that uh, is also quite critical um, halftime was we lost uh, Smith Rowe quite early um, mm. but he wasn't really providing much anywhere up until the point anyway but Odegaard when he came on and I have a yes, I, 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 I'm, I really wish that we could actually end up keeping the guy I highly doubt we ever will um, but I think that he fits into our system and into our ethos and everything that the club stands for so well and he drove a lot of the stuff that we're speaking about now as well as uh, in the second half he drove a lot of that kind of creative forward momentum play but to get back yeah. to the point i think going in at 2-1 up um, at half time arteta could have given a much uh, better half time speech the guys would have been motivated that the game plan irrespective of the first six minutes you know needs to be executed and we're on the front foot um and of course it puts leicester going in at halftime, having come from that uh, loss and being out of the Europa League on Thursday, it, their discussion um, at halftime would have been completely different and they most probably didn't come out any more motivated than when they went in. Yeah, well, I, I, I'll be honest with you. So the, the goals that, that I love for us, us to score, winning goals that I love us to score uh, just before halftime, because then at least if you're going ahead at halftime, you can have your halftime uh, drink or a little bit of a sandwich for me because it's lunchtime, obviously, over here in the UK. Um, and you just feel a little bit better and feel, feel a little bit more positive. It doesn't match the uh, thrill of scoring a last minute winner, um, uh, you know, like we did in midweek against Benfica. But I think, again, like you said, Olaf, it does change the... The, the conversation that Arteta's got to have, but it shouldn't change the actual tactical approach because we got it right, I thought, um, it, with our higher intensity pressing, with the overlapping fullbacks as opposed to the inverted fullbacks. I, th I thought that certainly worked on both sides. The Smith Rowe one was an interesting one, actually. I'm, I'll bring in Mike for you to talk about this, Mike, because I know you're a big fan of, uh, of Mr. Smith Rowe, but what did you think of, the, uh, of his performance up until when he got injured? Uh, how big a blow is that? Do you think that's going to be? And then also, similarly, Erdegaard, um, what did you make of his performance? Yeah, I thought Smith-Rowe was quiet, but Smith-Rowe has this new habit, which I'm sure is under instruction, because it seems like almost everything that Arsenal do is instruction-based, So, is that he is um, on the opposite side of the field to the ball. So if we've crossed the halfway line, and let's say the, the ball's at Xhaka's feet, you know, most of the time you'd, you'd, you'd think your attacking midfielder would be, you know, 15 yards in advance at an angle where you can slide the ball through to him. But he's not. He's 50, 60 yards across the other side of the field waiting for the switch and the overload on that side. And so he's reliant on Arsenal moving the ball out there and moving it quickly. And again, that's got to be instruction. So the fact that he was quiet, I'm not even sure that that's necessarily his fault because if he's told to do that and we don't get the ball out there, and yet he's told, don't go, come come find the ball. We don't want the area where the ball is to be crowded. Um, we want those players to have a little bit more, more space and freedom. Then it's really on the coach and on the players to get the ball across the field. So that's his remit, I think. And I, I don't think that it's been working so well for him, even though other players have had good games and such. Um, 
it's a shame the injury. Just hope it's not uh, a muscular thing that's long term because he's got a history of those. And you know, yeah. Arsenal will have to make a, a decision this this summer on Odegaard or on another attacking midfielder, and, and Smith Rowe will be in the conversation, and he needs to be at the very front of that conversation. Uh, Odegaard, I'm like um, uh, uh, Olaf. I think he's a wonderful, wonderful talent, and I think the that Arsenal are underutilising him now, quite honestly, because uh, if there's one negative from today and many of the recent performances with Odegaard is that he gets good positions early and and he's asking for the ball and they're not giving it to him and they delay Mm. giving him the ball and you see that what he can produce when he is given the ball is, is good. And he's got an eye. Um, but, and I'll, I'll, re, I'll rewind to the, I think it was the first half. As soon as he came on, he got the ball on the counter-attack. Pepe ran behind, which Pepe very rarely does. And Erdegaard slid that ball right in behind, which is his gifting. So I don't think that the team is playing to Erdegaard's strengths yet, even though he's playing quite well. Yeah, Mike, yeah. just by the way, um, late in the second half, um, uh, Pepe was uh, running in on goal. Um and he was on the left-hand side of goal. And Odegaard had done a massive sprint um, almost from the halfway line. And he was in the box on the right-hand side, open. There wasn't a defender in sight. Um, and Pepe, in my view, should have just slipped him the ball and it would have been 4-1 at that particular point. Yeah. But Pepe went and uh, was all selfish. And, 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 and Odegaard in the process was also quite frustrated because he'd gotten to the position um, and it was almost a dead cert goal from that particular point. Um, and, and I think that uh, I think that uh, that was just a slight concern that I had is as much as Erdogan looks out for others, I'm not, as you were saying now, Mike, uh, and that was an example where maybe the teammates aren't looking out as much for him and where he is and what he's able and capable of uh, of doing uh, and bringing yeah. to, the, to the table. Yeah, I think there's probably an element of just still, they're still trying to get to know each other. Because if you think about mm. it, we started him in January. We're now at the end of February. He's played, I think he started two or three games, not including today. So today was probably only his third or fourth start. You know, they still need to develop these, as old, as old big pair Mertzacker used to call them, automatisms. And that's still um, being developed. But the signs for me are really positive from Erdogan's perspective in terms of his vision. I think he sees he's got a very good um, radar that I think is going to be valuable to us. I think also his close control as well. The amount of times that he was in very tight, uh, congested uh, scenarios, normally on that right side of the pitch where he allows his footwork and his shift of his body weight to be able to manipulate in in and out of positions. I think that's positive because it gets you out of, when you can wriggle like that, it gets you out of those challenges. But then also um, he's got, he has got the end product, and I think he played a very important part in the third goal. So I'm going to talk to you about that, that third goal, Merv. Um, best yep. one of the lot, wasn't it? Oh, without doubt, without doubt. The um, just uh, winning the ball back, and then just just the the flow slicing through them. It just it it, it looked like a Arsenal from a different time, almost. You know, very confident, slicing through. You know that everybody's going to kill the ball get it under control and his peripheral vision as you've just alluded to is tremendous Erdegaard I think I, I, I don't think we're using him to his best yet and, and there's obviously this you know trying to almost rotate him and Emil Smith-Rowe um, and I think that Erdegaard uh, as well as Pepe and William played at some stage is going to play with Saka again uh, probably next week or the week after um, and that is tremendous opportunities 
because of the pace there. And I think just that that neat little that neat little touch that just that layoff to William was just it it, it was kind of it, it it's a type of player that we don't often although we've got Saka Smith-Rowe come through for us, we don't often seem to produce coming through youth ranks um, here in England. But you, sent, you, you kind of find that they're the kind of players you sign from overseas where they've just got that confidence. Odegaard obviously has a great confidence in his own ability to just win a ball in a tight space and use it. He's got the peripheral vision. It's not that kind of almost you win it, you're being closed down, you've got to get rid of it quickly or anything like that. So I think... It's just the cool head. And I, yeah. I do have to do a shout for Willian uh, with the penalty because it was it, technically his, his burst of pace coming in field, uh, which kind of created the gap. So it's kind yeah. of, it, it's, you know, I know we're not doing man of the match yet, but I mean, he, he actually had input to all three. But I think just, yeah, the pass back to Pepe, it was kind of initial kind of, uh, why is he not shooting? And and but yeah, he actually saw that it was a brilliant team goal. It could have been, yeah. it could almost have been two thousand and four. I don't want to say that, that but it could almost that have William been. burst of speed, Mervyn. That uh, the, that that one. I think he ran almost 20, 30 yards with the ball. Yeah, that was just. I mean, that's almost the William that we almost expected that we were going yeah. to sign. Yeah, and yeah. that was the first. Yeah. That was the first time that I'd seen it, and I was actually yeah. and I, was, I looked at it and I went. I can get into this. This is this is the kind of stuff that we want. Absolutely. And yeah. Obama Yang in front or a Saka or whoever um, on, on, on the flanks would be would be would be wanting someone to come charging forward, dribbling past the midfielders and the defenders and creating opportunities. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. That was brilliant. Why, why is he waited, Olaf? Why is he waited? two-thirds of the way through the season to even try to use arguably his number one gift, which is running with the ball? Excellent question. Um, I don't know whether there, there's more instructions that he's not supposed to, but I would find that I think that if, if that is one of the reasons why um, Mikel was so set on signing him, and he, and he and he came out again yesterday saying, you know, big, uh, you know, he was doing the big up of, of William, and he was saying that you know he pushed really hard to get him, um, and if that was one of the reasons, the fact that we've only seen it now, two thirds of the way into the season, or maybe not two thirds, but you know what I'm saying. You're absolutely right, um, Mike. Um, it's a it's a travesty that that as an attribute hasn't come to the fore yet. Maybe it's a, a confidence thing. I don't know. Maybe it's a um, he's too afraid to make a mistake, or I don't know what the case is. Yeah. But travesty. I, I just think. I mean, at the moment, the, what the the data and the insight that we have so far is to say, it's it, to my knowledge, is that he is a declining player. We've seen more bad performances than we have good performances. That doesn't mean to say that he can't turn around his season. I just think that um, he's a he's a good he's been a very good pro, and you're going to get those performances. But it's about that level of consistency. But um, so let's just Mike, if I can just we'll do a quick round robin as we get towards the end of this uh, this this pod um, our podcast, I should call it. Um, I would like all of you guys just to give me your kind of. Uh, man of the match, if you like. So a bit of a, a free hit for all of you to go in any direction you want. But Mike, we'll start with you. Who was your kind of standout player for the game? Well, um, I'm going to go with somebody on the defensive side because that was um, my main takeaway was uh, that we, we're consistently putting in these performances that make it very difficult for other teams to play their game. Um, and so 
I would go with David Luiz because I thought he was very, very good defensively. And um, I think his goal was um, better than people probably even recognise because the bravery of doing a diving header. I mean, it wasn't just a header to throw yourself and throw your head forward into a, a potential crowd of people was very brave. It was a fantastic goal. And it was, um, I think it really turned it on for us. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Merv? Um, I, 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 I can understand that. And if I had my list of three or four, then, then Louise would be on them. I know. I, I, um, I'm going to say Willian, which I know is a bit obvious. I know it's what Martin Keown said. Did he? Yes, he did. He did. Uh, Adam Steer uh, on, uh, on the Facebook has also said uh, that he, yes. was, uh, he, he was man of the match. I think because he, he he had a hand technically in all three goals and that burst yeah. of pace inside for the penalty. So I think he, he couldn't have done any more. I mean, if today was the, well, the first game of the season, he did play very well. If today was the second game of the season, we'd think we had an absolute steal. So, I mean, it, it, it's hopefully he can build on that, Hope, but but not at Saka's expense. Mm. Yeah, I mean, for me, William's certainly up there. I think it's a good shout, Mike, for uh, for your man of the match. Again, uh, Anthony uh, Buckbeer said, you know, delighted that, uh, this is on Facebook, delighted that William's, William's best performance in the Arsenal shirt. Certainly that and the Fulham game um, would be that. And then, uh, uh, yeah, I, I think it's it's positive signs. But Olaf, so um, we've had David Luiz, we've had William. You've got to pick somebody else before I wrap this up. You know what? I'm going to choose somebody that nobody is talking about, but I think led from the front from the very first minute. He tracked back. He uh, he had the captain's armband until he came off. And I and I I thought that um, Alexander had a superb game, and I think that he 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 was in the right positions. He uh, ended up uh, uh, getting the ball back. He was in. His layoffs at certain points when we were on, um, on on the attack was superb. I don't think he'll qualify as man of the match. I'm, I'm happy to go with the, the the majority. It's all likelihood going to be William, but I but I just want to kind of raise a little Alexander Lacazette flag, which we don't do often enough because he does that on a regular regular basis. I've always rated um, Alexander Lacazette, um, and I thought again today when we needed it, especially um, after the first six minutes. If you re-watch the game, you'll see how much work he actually put in. Um, and, I mean, I haven't seen one of those heat maps, for example, but I can almost guarantee you that uh, it's it's pretty reasonably covered. Um, so um, I'll go with the majority on a William. Um, and I respect Mike um, with, with his views always, as, as you know, Mike. Um, but I just want to raise a little flag and say um, the, the Frenchman kind of put in a half Giroud, half... Uh, um, Typical Lacazette kind of a performance today. Yeah, I thought it was. I thought Lacazette did, did all right too. I mean, in my head, there's a few additional names I'd probably single out. I'm gonna. I will pick one. Though, don't worry. Seeing as I told you, you got to have one. I will pick one. But <laughs> I think there's honourable mentions for Cedric because I thought um, he enables Nicolas Pepe, who would be the next one that I'd I'd, I'd have an honourable mention for. He enables Pepe to fill those spaces, and I think Pepe had a very very good game. Uh, and Xhaka too, actually. I thought Xhaka, once again, controlled the tempo um, with his passing. He likes to pick the ball up. He was he, he drew fouls when we needed that, and, and I was I was impressed with him. But I think I'd probably say Nicolas Pepe for me. 
Um, mainly, I mean, I think it probably is William, but if, if in the interest of not just repeatedly going into the William Appreciation Society podcast, uh, I think I'm going to I'm going to single out Nicolas Pepe because he get he gets his goal. He caused havoc for the Leicester defence all night. He was linking well with Odegaard. He was able to come inside. He had someone like Cedric overlapping with him, which gave him options. And that, that for me, was a real positive. And given that, before the game, the way that we lined up, William on the left and Pepe on the right, honestly, I thought, why aren't we switching the two over and playing Pepe left and William right? Because it would um, certainly make the most of their two respective attributes and what they're best at. I thought both of them were excellent and I thought they were a key part to this game. But lads, as always, it's been a delight, a pleasure. Um, if you are listening to this as a podcast, you already know the Tottenham score. I've got it on the TV in my room, sadly, and they're 3-0 up. So you can't know everything in the world. But we've got sunshine. We've got each other and we've got three points. Thank you very, very much for joining us. Um, Olaf, say goodbye. Uh, uh, goodbye. <laughs> uh, uh, Mike, say goodbye. Thanks, guys. Cheers, man. Uh, and Merv, say goodbye. Goodbye, everyone. Enjoy your afternoons. Have Enjoy a great week. Afternoon. Have a great week. Up the Arsenal. Three points and away we go. And we'll see you later. Cheers.